Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Semi-Cinematic Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is John. My name is Max. All right, and last week we talked about a classic Hollywood film, and this week we're going to be talking about the most recent re- release we've covered on the podcast so far. Max has selected David McKenzie's Hell or High Water from the year of our Lord, 2016. <laughs> um, but before we get into the main review, we'll talk about what we've been watching recently, and let's start with John. Well, uh, I'm still trying to get 2021 movies in for my uh, top 10, and I'm going to talk about a couple that have a good chance of making it, especially if I stop watching any films from 2021 right now, because right now they're in the top 10. Um, This is one that I believe both of you have watched. It's from 2021. It's Censor, directed by Prano Bailey Bond. Um, Yeah, I think it's uh, Prano. Bond. I'm just going to say, yeah. whatever way, whatever instincts I have for a name, I should just go against them, and then it'll come out right. <laughs> uh, this one, um, I think I own... This is the, Max, is this the one that you were too scared to continue, and then like you came back to it, and you are like, oh, this was fine? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it is... I think it is... It's pretty effectively creepy. Um creepy is a good word it isn't scary it's just it's just kind of eerie it's eerie i like the concept of someone like a you know a censor who is like allowing or banning films from public consumption horror films um creepy things happening to them so i love the concept i think it's really well executed um it's set in the i believe the early to mid 80s um yeah i was really impressed with this film i thought the performances were good um i didn't know much going into it except that you both enjoyed it and uh i was impressed i think this is a first film for this filmmaker and i would definitely like to see our first feature at least i definitely want to see where they go from here um the the ending was really haunting uh another situation where things are happening and you're not sure what's real and what's not and uh yeah i just i really enjoyed this one i was it was a real pleasant surprise and i love supporting female filmmakers and she seems really good i'm I'm really interested to see what her next project winds up being mm-hmm. um, yeah censor was really good yeah and i think i've said this before but she's a guest on the Evolution of Horror podcast sometimes. Yeah. I think she's on the Blue Velvet episode. But yeah, she's a good a good guest host on there too. And then another 2021 film that's currently in my top 10 by a female director is The Lost Daughter by Maggie Gyllenhaal. I think this is her second feature as a director. Um, 
Yeah, uh, no, maybe one short. Yeah. Okay. So her first, first feature. Um, what interested me about this? Uh, it stars Olivia Coleman from, well, she was in Peep Show long ago. That the TV show, which is really funny, and then um, the, oh, what's the famous one, where she's the queen? Oh, the crown. No. Um, oh, the favorite. The favorite. Yeah. Mm. Oh, the movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, my fault. Um, she is a great, she's great in this. Um, the interesting thing about this film, it's like, it's a drama. Um, and the main character is pretty unlikable. And I don't know, I think that's a hard thing to pull off. There's some things here. Um, it's kind of about a, a mother who does, didn't really doesn't really enjoy being a mother it's just things brought up in this film that are very real and you don't hear about a lot um you just don't see them discussed in films because it's kind of you know awkward people don't like they're uncomfortable by seeing a mom who doesn't really like being a mom uh but i found it very interesting um it's set in a beautiful location like a vacation spot and it kind of cuts between the middle-aged Olivia Coleman and when she was younger and things going on in her life then when she had her kids um the struggles as a young mother and um the things the choices she made uh it's definitely dramatic um a friend of mine watched this based on me watching it and booed it <laughs> but he's this isn't his kind of movie he's it's just not his thing. So um, if you like sort of a darker character study, I thought it was really well done and the performances are great. And like I said, I just like that things were brought up here that you don't normally see on screen. Um, one more that's a little bit lighter. Um, also 2021 was um, No Sudden Move by Steven Soderbergh. Oh, it's yeah. a really fun I kind of forgot this movie came out I remember being interested in it when I heard about it and then I kind of slipped under the radar but really good like a super solid fun kind of crime heist movie good writing good pacing a lot of really good performances some good cameos um, Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro are the main the main two guys, but there's a lot of good smaller performances. Um, it's a period piece, I believe in the fifties or early sixties. Um, it just has like that, that's typical Soderbergh kind of fun style. Um, it's not like a comedy, but it's a crime drama with comedic elements. And I think it's just a, a ton of fun to watch. And, it's two hours long. I think it's an uh, hour 55, but it doesn't feel like it. There's just a lot of good nuance to it. It's, it's kind of like a, it's not like an oceans movie per se, but it has some of that energy. Um, some twists and turns and I don't know. It's just like a lot of people that are interesting to watch on screen and some good characters and it's just a good time and it's well done. It's not, it's it's probably deserves a little bit more notoriety than 
than what it got. I know it's a weird year for film with COVID and everything, but I think it's definitely worth your time. It's on HBO Max. And uh, yeah, all three of those currently are on my top 10 for the year, but I still have a bunch of things to see, including Spencer, which I still haven't gotten to. And I really want to see um, uh, The Worst Person in the World, which is getting some really good reviews um, from Joachim Trier, whose film, uh, shoot, Thelma, I really loved. So mm-hmm. I still have some work to do. But these are all definitely, if they don't make the list, then my list is going to be really good for the year. So I'm pleased to have watched them all. Nice. Sweet. Nice. And Max, uh, what, do, what do you have? Uh, I watched some fun ones. Um, I had recently seen the new Matrix movie, uh, Resurrections, and so I wanted to revisit. Um, I don't know that I'm going to go through the whole trilogy again, but I did watch the first, the original Matrix uh, from 1999. And, you know, that, that holds up well. That's, that's still, it's still an entertaining story. And I, I think, again, like, thinking about, like, what that did... Um, for action, uh, not, no, not not just action movies, but action in movies, um, is you know I, I think it's certainly kind of earned its place in in the the ranking of of, of well known films, and it's still fun. It's got it's got Larry Fishburne. Um, Larry, <laughs> we didn't talk about that. That I did find the uh, that copy of The King of New York with. Him credited as uh, Larry Fishburne. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, so who knows? M- movie trivia for someone somewhere that might come in handy. But did you like uh, the new Matrix? Ah, uh, I did. I think not really caring <laughs> um, about the Matrix movies. I was pretty yeah. attached to anything, and so just kind of coming into the new one as a, more of a, a, a passerby. Um, made for a, a more enjoyable experience. You know, I, I've got I've got a friend. He like you know he loves or, or love the original trilogy. They're they're some of his favorite movies, and you know, he couldn't stand the new one. Um, just because I don't know why. It's just, it's just <laughs> popular to do these days. I feel it feels like yeah. Um, but uh, no, it's 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 got that meta kind of interesting storyline and, and, you know, bring, bringing some of the old cast back and, and, and using them effectively, which, um, did lead to another, uh, recently watched, which was Scream 4 in preparation for Scream. I, I guess it's Scream 5, but they don't credit it as Scream 5. So this trend has to end. I, I love the new, I, I really like the new Scream a lot, but this title thing where they just call it scream even though it's a sequel and it's not a reboot yeah like, Hall- like halloween yeah just like halloween yeah i don't i don't understand it yeah title title confusion um, mm-hmm. it's like no scream came out in 96 and that's the only one that matters so <laughs> this uh i'm with you there but um but scream 4 what w- was fun and uh you know, 2011, so it's kind of wild that was 11 years ago, but uh, feels like a very, you know, early 2010s movie. And 
you know, you've got you've got your stables there, and, and of course, ghost faced, ghost ghost faced ghost faced. Um, I was feeling ghost faced after all of these scream movies. Feels um, a good save. Yeah, but then speaking of ghost face, I did watch um, the ghost and Mrs. Muir, uh, which is nowhere close to scream, but uh, 1947. <laughs> Uh, starring Gene Tierney, Rex Harrison, and it was fun. Um, I'm going to take that out. It was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I use fun too much. We'll, we'll, we'll fix this here. Starring Gene Tierney and Rex Harrison. And it was, it was a good watch. It was a fun... Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> Now I'm, in my, now I'm in my head. It's getting late. <laughs> How about entertaining? Gonna, entertaining. Holy smokes. Um, <laughs> this is the last time I say Gene Tierney. <laughs> Starring Gene Tierney and Rex Harrison. It was a really entertaining watch. Um, she plays a, a, an English widow, and Rex Harrison is a ghost of a sea captain who is haunting the house that she has come to occupy and they form a bond and, and a friendship and then a romance and whoa, a romance it later in the movie. It's, it's, it's no Patrick Swayze ghost. Oh uh, yeah. But it, I liked it. I, it's, it's another one of those ones that it had been on the watch list for a while and it's part of the, um, Joe, Joe Makowitz, uh, collection on Criterion right now, so I, I do recommend that one. Is there a part in the movie where they're being romantic and the ghost blows out the candle? Um, <laughs> this is what I'm picturing. <laughs> no, there is a glass of milk though that sim you know symbolizes um, a, a transition. So. Oh, it's it's no uh, candle, but they're you know they, they for nineteen forty seven they do a good job of, of, of some of these transitions, okay, and, and just scenes and whatnot. So yeah, on Criterion now. I'm nice. intrigued. I'm intrigued. Yeah, I haven't seen that one in in a really long time. But uh, just like you and John, I'm sure like you, huge Jean Tierney fan. Oh, mm-hmm. love her, love her, tremendous. She, she may be twenty twenty two's Deborah Carr. We'll see. I would enjoy that, yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be tremendous. I, 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 I'm voting in favor of that. Yeah. Well, uh, it's going to be a wild year. We'll see. The tyranny of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sells it. <laughs> All right. Well, I did watch... Uh, well, Max, was that it? Right? Are you done? Oh, yeah. By all means. Okay. Hunter, you have any Italian horror films in this week's list? You know, I don't. I have some, a couple American horror movies, though. Okay, I'll take it. Okay. Um, I watched one amazing horror movie from 1973 called Malatesta's Carnival of Blood. Whoa. <laughs> it's directed by Christopher Spieth. He only directed this, and he directed a, a documentary and one short film. And this has, like, the... It's got a Messiah of Evil vibe. I don't know if either of you have seen Messiah of Evil, but it's another low-budget 
really atmospheric early 70s horror movie that I love. But um, I, I would think that Night of the Living Dead must have been an inspiration for this movie, but um, it has a way more nightmarish quality to it. And it's also, it, it might even be potentially like a lower budget. Some of the sets in this are pretty, they're pretty strange. I mean, they, <laughs> they use a lot of bubble wrap in this movie. <laughs> it's really odd. Um, but I, I love this movie. It's very short. It's I think 74 minutes maybe, or 75 minutes. And um, this is part of a, a set that Arrow put together with Stephen Thrower. It's called the American Horror Project. And there's two of these box sets, and I don't love all of the movies in these sets, but this one so far is easily my favorite. I mean, it just, visually it's really interesting, it's creepy, and it's just weird. Um, yeah, it's really, it's just right up my alley. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> I've seen a lot of kind of negative reviews, and I listened to a couple... Uh, podcast uh, re- reviews of it and people really really hated it so maybe I'm yeah I don't know it just there's just something the vibe is just it's just right up my alley I, I really loved it and then I watched another movie from the American Horror Project called Dream No Evil and it's uh, directed by John Hayes it's I think it came out in 1970 but I I only gave this a two and a half but I I I find myself looking back on the experience with some fondness. So I, I feel like if I, if, if I, if I rewatch this movie, I think it would go up, but I don't think I'll ever rewatch it. So it'll, unfortunately it'll always be a two and a half. You can hard it, but, mm. Oh, I might, maybe I will hard it. Yeah, that's true. But it's got a great lead performance by Brooke Mills who, um, who didn't make too many movies. And I, I really wish she was in more because I mean she could be my this year's Gene Tierney, <laughs> um, for for sure. I mean she is absolutely gorgeous, but she's only in eight movies. Um, you could do a full run run of the mills. Yeah, I could, <laughs> I could do a run of the mills. There you go. Um, but yeah, she's really good in the movie. And oh, excuse me. Ooh, you have to edit that cough out, Max. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> and and John Hayes, he directed some other exploitation movies, and he uh, directed some uh, adult films in the seventies as well. And he has one adult film with a great title. Are you are you guys ready for this? I'm so ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Hot Lunch. Mm. Oh no. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Which is just oh man, what a title! Oof. But um, but yeah, he also he directed Grave of the Vampire, which I've read about. I think in uh, in a in one of Kim Newman's books, but I I, I haven't seen. But it's been on my watch list for a while. Uh, but both Malatesta's Carnival of Blood and Dream No Evil, they're both on the Arrow Channel. Nice. And then that's nice. that's all I got. That's all you need. Yeah, that's for sure. So I think we're ready. We're ready to proceed, right? Hell or high water. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, well, let's get into the main review, which is um, Hell or High Water. It's uh, written by Taylor Sheridan, who also wrote Sicario and Wind, Wind River. Um, and it's directed by David McKenzie. And I don't think I've seen anything else directed by him. Have you guys seen any of his other movies? No. Yeah, because um, I know he did a Netflix movie with Chris Pine. Is it, is it called The Outlaw or The uh, Outlaw King? Outlaw King, yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that, but I actually heard some pretty good things about it. But um, I, have, I don't really have... Oh, uh, go ahead. I have seen two other David McKenzie movies. I've seen Starred Up, which is a, like a prison movie from 2013 with um, Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, yeah. That was good. I gave it four stars. And then also... Um, this movie, oh, this movie is so weird. Um, it's called Perfect Sense. Yeah, I've never heard of that one. It's um, all right, it's got some. I'll I'll give you the synopsis. This is a really strange one. It's kind of in the middle of the road for me, whether I liked it or not. Um, in Glasgow, Scotland, a mysterious pandemic begins to spread around the world. Um, and. You know, it's called perfect sense. People lose one sense at a time. Like the first, I think first they lose sense of taste or something. And like they all, like the pandemic takes them all the way by the end. It's really weird. It's a really, it's interesting. I did not heart it. I gave it three and a half. It's pretty wild. It's it's just a wild concept. Um, So like one of the main characters is a cook and all these people can't taste food anymore. So it starts being like, she starts cooking for texture or like visual as opposed to taste. Um, yeah, it's, it's a wild, it's a mm. wild motion. It's a wild motion picture. And this is, I watched this pre <laughs> pre COVID where people, you know, lose their sense of taste now, apparently when they get it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. I didn't love it, but those are the couple that I've seen. I guess he's made a pretty decent amount of like, so looks like eight or nine films total so far. Huh? I don't know. But yeah, this is now he didn't do eight, eight them body saints. Did he? No. Mm. Okay. Oh, maybe, maybe David Lowry did that movie. That's David Lowry. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't have, uh, too many other, uh, notes here to start um of course it, it was in 2016 which might be the last really tremendous year for movies i mean there was a lot of great stuff then but um but yeah what did you guys think of uh hell or high water let's start with uh john uh, i had seen this before and i i really liked it um and i liked it again uh there's some really good chemistry both between the brothers, the bank robbers, and I like the chemistry between the two rangers, um, Jeff Bridges and oh, what's the other guy's name? Gil Cunningham, Gil Birmingham. Um, just the way they kind of how the rangers kind of make fun of each other, and it's not super politically correct, but it feels real. Um, but you can tell they really have a strong friendship um, just at that point where they don't care what they say anymore 
Um, watching just both both of those dual relationships interact was really enjoyable. Um, ben Foster is a great wild card guy. Like mm-hmm. it just all it just feels super convincing. Um, just someone that is loyal, but you can't really control. They're just going to kind of do things that they want to do. And you're kind of, in this situation, you're kind of along for the ride. Um, I think Chris Pine's also really good as kind of the straight man, smart guy to his wild brother. Um, this film, it gets on the edge of being a little preachy about banks and their greediness and just the financial crisis of this time. Uh, it's right on the edge. There's one point where the two Rangers are talking about it and Jeff Bridges is like, well, they've been stealing from us all along. And that's when I got to a point where I was like, okay, I get it. You don't have to keep preaching it to me. Um, but they didn't talk about it after that. So mm-hmm. something I do like is when crimes are committed for a quote like justifiable reason or a reason that kind of you can root for um i like rooting for the quote bad guys in a film so um it's a nice gray area where you know they're committing crimes they're trying not to hurt anyone um which sometimes works out sometimes does not but it's definitely an interesting dynamic when there's kind of other things at play that are motivating why they're committing these bank robberies. Um, the dialogue's really good. I really like Taylor Sheridan's writing. He's got a couple of other really good films that he wrote, uh, Sicario and um, Wind River, both really, mm. really good. Um, <laughs> the part where uh, the brothers are talking, I think they go to a convenience store and uh, the crazy brother, Ben Foster, asks for Dr. Pepper, and they only have Mr. Pibb, and Ben Foster goes, only assholes drink Mr. Pibb, and Chris Pine goes, well, drink up then. <laughs> that was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's another, uh, I think when Chris Pine says to him, he says to, to Ben Foster, he goes, how do you stay out of prison for a year? And Ben Foster goes, oh, it was difficult. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this. I think this movie is really solid. My favorite part is definitely that waitress at the T-Bone Cafe. Like, that scene stuck with me for a long time. It's probably one of my favorite scenes of the mm. 2010s. Just, it's just something kind of, nothing to do with the film per se, but just gives you a feel of Texas and just one of those, like, small roles that just kind of, it's a nice little interlude from the bank robberies too. It's a nice little funny moment that, um, I don't know, just has that, that small town feel. Um, I like the ending. I like how it's kind of, there are some loose ends that are tied up and some that aren't, and there's some open-endedness to it, but I appreciate the way it's done. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really solid movie all the way around. Um, pretty enjoyable ride, good performances, pretty fun but makes you think too uh i think i i really enjoyed it seeing it again it holds up to my first viewing like really solid nice yeah and max how was rewatching this one 
Yeah, you know, again, it's. I think it's just always fun when there's movies that, for whatever reason, you know, in in the year they came out, like, you know, 2016, I, I was well into my movie watching years, um, just didn't see it, and then, um, you know, revisiting something, watching it, and just kind of being blown away by the story, and the, I don't know, I, this one just did not. Um, in a good way, didn't play out the way that I, I thought it was going to play out. I, I, you know, it's it's you're kind of unsure where it's going to go, and then as the story goes along, and you understand the motivations, you understand, um, you know how they're going about the the what they're doing with the money once they get it. Oh, hello. Hey, we lost you for a second, Max, I think. I couldn't tell. Yeah, there's some shuffling. Um, no, it's all good. Um, here we go. Three, two, one. Yeah, as you understand, you know, the motivations for, for why they're stealing the, the, the money and, and why they're robbing the banks. And, and yeah, like John, like you mentioned, their, method, their method, methodology um, where... You know, this isn't just like this, you know, this crime spree that they're just trying to like, you know, kill as many people as they can. It's like there's there's kind of a a method to the madness. And um, yeah, I I, 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 I watched this with my wife and she, you know, got sucked in pretty early on. And I think, you know, same kind of thing when she realized like. The the scene with the mom, like not the, with the mom, but understanding that the, the mom, you know, that the bank had you know loaned out this money for the mortgage, and then you know put her in debt, and and she you know couldn't pay it, and then the discovery of oil on the property, and just you know understanding like what what the bank was doing at that point, yeah, I was like oh like oh the bank is like they're the bad guys, um, and I. I I thought they used that so effectively. You know, I thought they used you know the the, the diner scene um, when the the sheriffs or the deputies are there interviewing um, the the patrons about who you know what what they had seen and really kind of encountering resistance um, from from all parties of like you know I don't, I don't yeah there were two guys I don't know what they looked like you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, Very Texas Texan reactions, yeah. Right, like I don't want to help you. Like they, you know, they were nice to us, and they they gave the waitress that huge tip, and then it's like you know that uh, she says something like on lines of like this is like this is gonna pay my mortgage, like I'm not gonna give you that. Uh, that's not evidence. That's 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 bill money, um, and it just does a good job of, you know, I guess the only, you know, villain quote-unquote, would be Ben Foster. Um, but even then, like, there's just these little subtle moments that kind of hint to, like, the path that he took. And I, I think, you know, because I, I can't remember if he was in prison when, it, yeah. when, the mom, when the mom died or if he was out. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think he was out. And then he just, like, said something about how, like, you know, mama always hated me. For you know, standing up to to their dad who was abusive, and I, I, he, I think he killed the dad. He did. That was yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That was the, yeah. And so, um, 
I don't know. I just, but again, they're almost like throwaway lines. But when you catch them, and you understand, like you know, kind of just the the messiness of this family, um, it just lends credibility to to their relationships. Um, and I, yeah. So I, this one, again, it's well acted. It, it's it's crisp. It doesn't waste a lot of time. Um, you know, with with kind of hangout sessions and and, and the times that it does um, indulge in those things, like it's it's effective. Um, I forget what they do, but they're it's before the big robbery, and they're just kind of hanging out, Chris Pine and Ben Foster, um, in the yard, and they're just kind of wrestling and, and goofing off. Um, and this is you know before their before their big moment, and. I don't know. It it just captures like I, th- I think you said it. Yeah, it just captures Texas so well. Um, this this view that I think people who don't live there have of it, and I think it does it in a way that isn't like cartoonish. It isn't um, like a parody or or, or a satire. Um, I think it's accurate. I think that's why it was well received. And yeah, I. It, it just this is this is a uh, quickly moving up into the top one thousand um, <laughs> in terms Whoa. of yeah in terms of its placement um, uh, amongst the amongst the legends but yeah it's just a uh, it's just a fun ride excellent you know I um I had seen this in theaters and I you know really enjoyed rewatching it I. Actually, I think it looks really nice. Like, I think it's a, a great looking movie, and I I love Foster, and I like Chris Pine a lot. I I kind of wish Chris Pine would do like more sm- smaller movies. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. I mean, he does a lot of blockbusters, but not too many small movies. Now, have any of you guys seen Smoking Aces? Yeah. No. That is a crazy Chris Pine role. That's kind of like, I think I've heard someone compare that. That's to Chris Pine, kind of what um, Brad Pitt is in Snatch. Like, okay, I don't remember. It's oh, like he's... that kind of like crazy different. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think he's capable of so much more than we usually get from him. Because I don't think I've seen him in anything besides Wonder Woman recently. Um. And I do think he's probably my favorite part of the Star Trek reboot. Um, I think he's really good in those. But yeah, I'd love to see him take on you know more smaller movies like this. Um, <clears throat> I uh, now Jeff Bridges. I I do love love Jeff Bridges, but he may be hamming it up here a, a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now the I don't remember. Yeah, the accent's pretty crazy, but is this performance pretty similar to his in True Grit, but maybe less comedic? Hmm. I can't. I, they. I remember thinking they felt pretty similar, but it's been so long since I've seen the True Grit, the Coen Brothers True Grit movie. Yeah, I've forgotten most of True Grit, to be honest. Maybe the voice is pretty similar, but um. But I do think this is probably going to be his last great role. I mean, I don't know what he's done uh, since then, but 
or, or you know, since this, but I, um, I do always enjoy seeing, seeing Jeff Bridges. Yeah. And John, I do like kind of the dynamic of him with his partner. Yeah. Um, how they're comfortable enough with each other to where he can say things that would offend someone who's not such a close friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I do. I now the kind of the country songs in the movie, I'm not crazy about, but I do like Nick Cave and Warren Ellis's score. Mm-hmm. Um, I always enjoy their scores. I mean, they're, score for the assassination of Jesse James is like one of my favorite scores ever. Um, now you guys did kind of touch on a lot of stuff that I have here. I do really like the, when they hold up the bank, I think it's in a town. Is it called post? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's like when they go in there and the bank is kind of crowded, there's this little beat kind of this pause before they commit. And I think that's a really nice moment. Yeah. I mean, cause obviously they know like, Hey, we should probably back out, but they just, I think Ben Foster can't help himself. He just has to keep going with the plan, even though the, the scenario is, uh, is not, is definitely not what they're accustomed to when they hold up a bank. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and one thing that's kind of interesting, I haven't seen very many movies that take place kind of in the present day that has an element of like frontier justice. I mean, just like ordinary citizens who carry a weapon, who start mm. firing at criminals. Very Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. the, the added added part of the the risk of the bank. It's more so the the other people that are using the bank as opposed to the employees or the security guard. It's more, it's just the people in line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think it's kind of a, I mean, it definitely adds, um, to sort of the overall fun of the movie. Um, and <clears throat> there are, there is like a, an emotional beat that I think really works when foster, kills um alberto i think is his name that yeah. the um bridges's yeah. partner i think and i think bridges i think he really uh performs that scene well his reaction and you kind is of great. really yeah 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 and even though you kind of i mean like chris pine's character is obviously the more likable between the two brothers but i think you kind of like uh, Ben Foster as well. He's kind of just someone who his he's his own worst enemy, and um, but you do enjoy kind of seeing uh, Jeff Bridges, you know, get him in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't have too many other notes for this. I think overall, I think it is just a really solid kind of modern Western crime movie. Um, oh, the trick with the gas tank. What does he do? Does he light his, his shirt on fire and like send it down? Oh, uh, yeah. With it. That was cool. That's a pretty clever thing for a, a pretty dumb criminal to do. Um, but yeah, no, I, um, I'm definitely, definitely a fan of, uh, of this movie. This is a good pick, Max. Or, or just the whole paying a bank 
back with their own money by robbing them is pretty great in itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a good idea. Yeah, that I forgot. I, I don't know how I forgot about it. But yeah, just like that whole thing. And they're so disincentivized to investigate. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. the money that they're getting from the oil. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, but again, it's all believable. It's all like, it's not something that's like, yeah, these guys. Like, it's because they were being helped, weren't they? By the. Um, not the bank guy, but the one right before it at the end. Oh, the the lawyer. Oh, yeah, and there it's like he was. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I just it's it was clean. It was crisp. Um, I like I like crisp. That's a really good. Yeah. Uh, I don't hear hear that as a as an adjective to define a uh, a film very often. But I like crisp. That's that's solid. We gotta, yeah, we gotta. That's how I think. That's how I think of a gin and tonic as being crisp, mm, right? Yeah, or a really it's, good apple. Yeah, mm. <laughs> this that yeah, movies like that, like, like good, like a good G and T. It feels like it's gonna hold up long term. I, I don't, I can't see it. It doesn't really have a lot of flaws. Yeah, Mm-mm. yeah, I'd agree with. You know that. what? I might call it crisp. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, two, yeah, so it's a it's a really solid all the way around. No, I, that that is, I'm, this is all just trying to you know bounce back from Event Horizon, so yeah, you know, I, yeah, you really put us through a a tough night there, that's for sure. <laughs> just a lot of hell, not too much high water. Oh, um, did you did you have that prepared? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that that one that one just came. <laughs> oh, right, well, Sam are you Neil. guys prepared to? Uh, are you prepared to rate this uh, Joker? Oh, yes. Let's uh, let's rate this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Let's let's start with you. Are you gonna? Uh, how, how are you gonna do this? Listen, it's a four out of five. So, no, it's, it's, that's what it is. Four out of five. Same as the first watch. Same as the next watch. Be- a beautiful, enthusiastic, crisp as hell, four out of five. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, Max, that brings us to, uh, to you <laughs> and your rating. Well... I think everyone it's pretty clear but this was a this was a five for me um proudly proudly gave it out nice nice now this is a this is a four for me and i did I did click that heart too i clicked you on the heart. did oh That's i see it yeah so sweet i know it means more when you do it less i gotta say there's a quote yeah. <laughs> All right. More when you do it <laughs> uh, yeah. Now We're getting does... funnier. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> We're getting funnier. <laughs> All right, Max. Uh, well, I think we're ready for your, your stand pick. Do you got it? I do. Speaking of being funny, no, I'm, this is not a funny movie at all, but... 
Um, the what stand pick. I don't know. I, don't, I love that. Um, I do have my stand pick. It is Witness to Murder. Um, it is on Hoopla. And this is controversial because I, I haven't actually seen this one. So um, I, I want to make sure that you know, we, we, keep the, we keep the free in free. It's interactive. You're watching yeah. it along with everyone else this week. So if it's, you know, it, it's at a 3.2, it's on Hoopla, it's, 80, it's 83 minutes, um, perfect runtime. But I am going to try and watch it this week uh, just to kind of be able to you know, put that under, under, my, under my belt. But yeah, Witness to Murder, 1954, uh, available now on Hoopla. Excellent. Excellent. And John, do you have a, a dream stream? I sure do. Bouncing off of uh, last week's wonderful actor, Kirk Douglas, I have a Kubrick, who is my favorite, along with Hitchcock. It's, it's a close one. It's those two. Then everybody else for me. Uh, 1957's Paths of Glory. It's going to be really great. And it's a short watch, 88 minutes, and it's going to be emotional. So uh, it's streaming on Pluto, Tubi, and Canopy. And um, it's in my top 150. That's an exclusive club. Whoa. Let me tell you, there's Whoa. only 149 yeah. others in that list. <laughs> yeah. Now, Kirk Douglas, he gets, uh, he gets pretty loud towards the end of this movie, doesn't he? He sure does. He's yelling. Yeah, I, he's emotional. I appreciate that. Yeah. He, he's, listen, he's given a full-fledged performance. I wouldn't call this movie crisp, but I think it's great. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> they can't all be crisp. This one's, this no. one's, this one's rich. It's mm. memorable. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Like if you took, if you took a crisp apple and you made it into a really memorable, rich, warm dessert like a like a or maybe yeah like a like an apple crisp but not (laughs) (laughs) we all come full circle this analogy has failed but yeah it's uh it's a film that will stick with you afterwards and make you think which are some of my favorites so Mm. if you don't feel like doing that wait till next week but if you do give it a shot Nice. That is that is a good one. Um, now I do have a bleak of the week. Bleak of the week. <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's a recent first time watch. It's directed by one of my favorite directors, Lucio Fulci. It's from 1969, so it's a pretty early movie for him. And it's called uh, Beatrice Chensi, I believe it is. Um. It it has another title though, which is the I think more appropriate. It's the conspiracy of torture. Mm. Much better. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so the main character is Beatrice uh, Chensi. Yeah, no big surprise there. But uh, <laughs> she's raised by an abusive father who doesn't seem to have a good side at all. He's just pure evil, and. 
Um, so Beatrice and her stepmother, and I think two men uh, come up with a plan to kill her dad. Ah. And, um, and for, for Bleak of the Week, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find movies where nothing good happens to anyone. I want to see the innocent and the guilty suffer equally. Full Bleak. And this, mm-hmm. this movie, this movie sets out to do that from the very beginning and it does it very well. Um, and this is, I think, this is a, you know, really urchy, Earl, uh, urchy. <laughs> this is very early for Fulci. <laughs> and it, uh, <laughs> it's kind of the first movie where he had any brutal violence in it. Okay. And it has, um, you know, his movies have this wonderful kind of hopeless outlook to them that just, you know, really inspires me to just keep watching his movies. Cause I, I really am entertained by that outlook. Um, and he made like mostly comedies and I think he had made one spaghetti Western. And in 1969, he also made kind of a, his first, uh, Jallo as well. But I've never seen another Fulci movie that had this level of production value. Oh, okay. It must be, I mean, I would think it's his, maybe the biggest budget he ever had, which is weird because he did make movies that, that like were very successful that made you know, a lot of money, but he was never trusted with, um, you know, big budgets for some reason. Huh. But, but this movie looks really, really nice. And, uh, and I did, I watched this on Christmas Eve. I felt like it was pretty good, you know, counter-programming. <laughs> and this is, uh, this is, I watched the 88 film Blu-ray, and it's got a great special feature with uh, Stephen Thrower. And he's probably, he's kind of like the world's greatest authority on Fulci, I would think. He, he wrote a, a, an awesome uh, book about Fulci. It's, it's, it's so awesome that I, I can't remember the title for some reason. But um, he's got like what Tim Lucas is to Bava Thrower kind of is to Fulci. And he also did the American Horror Project that I talked about oh, cool. earlier. He worked with Arrow Films. Um, but he's a great historian and his special features are always, always really excellent. But, uh, but yeah, uh, that's my uh, bleak of the week. It's a brutal, um, unpleasant, but... Uh, completely satisfying and enjoyable watch. Nice. Sounds so full of despair. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, all right. And up next is a trailer for next week's show. Scarecrow, son? No. I was hoping you were. 
We'll be seeing you. Would you like that? Every time you make your ma cry, you kill an angel. I make my ma cry all the time. Sometimes I just look at her and she cries. Any vampires around these parts, Pa? Wouldn't be at all surprised. Tell me, how old do you think I am? Fifty. Oh, no, I'm older than that. I'm two hundred years old. Skin got all silver, shiny. It's like a mirror. You can see your face in it. Shut up! This is a little faster. I love her. Understand? I love her. Oh, Seth. It's all so horrible, isn't it? The nightmare of childhood. He's got him now, Aben. There's nothing I can do. Oh, innocence can be hell. All right, and uh, John, are you ready with our social media? I absolutely am. Uh, if you want to find us on Instagram, we're semi underscore cinematic. Uh, on Facebook, it's facebook.com semi-cinematicpod, all one word. On Letterboxd, it's letterboxd.com slash semi-cinematic. And if you'd like to email us with reasons why you liked or didn't like our picks, or if you have a suggestion for something that we should review in the future that we may or may not accept, it is semi-cinematicpod at gmail.com. All right, Excellent. Well, that, uh, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Next week, can't wait. Want more bleak of the week. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Bye, fellas. Goodbye. Bye.